Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, and I'm excited for uh, us to be here on this beautiful Friday morning sharing the Word of God. I pray that you would grab your Bibles and follow along with us today. Uh, just a reminder that we have a YouTube uh, channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to that channel after the fact. The church services, all these teachings on Monday and Thursday morning on Romans and Friday morning presently on righteousness. So uh, avail yourself to that YouTube channel. Again, that's Curtis Hutchinson 316 and the website. Everything goes to both places, thecrosswaychurch.com. There's also the place that you can help us financially, become a partner with us in getting the true gospel of Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world and a backslidden church. And we just praise God for those of you who are doing that and helping us now. Uh, we also have a church we're planning in Wichita Falls, Texas. We meet the second weekend there every single month, Friday nights at 7 p.m., Saturday mornings from 10 until lunch. The month of June is, is, is a little different because they already had the, the month of June reserved out to some people, so it's the third weekend. It's the 14th and 15th, so if you're anywhere in that area, Wichita Falls, Texas, Vernon, Texas, uh, Iowa City, any of those places, I encourage you to come and be a part of those meetings in July. Uh, the second weekend in July, I believe it's the 11th, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There will be Thursday night with Andrew Hutchinson, my son, 7 o'clock. Friday night will be either Pastor Clint or Lindsey Bass at 7 o'clock. And then Saturday morning, uh, uh, that's Friday night. And then Saturday morning, Pastor Clint or Lindsey Bass, uh, one of those. And then Saturday night, Pastor Tommy Wiedelman from Tuttle, Oklahoma. And then I'll close it out that Sunday morning. So it's a, it's a full weekend of meetings, five different sessions. Come and be a part of that. Help us get the word out if you have family, friends, whoever may live there that you know. And they need to be in these meetings. The Lord wants a church in Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, a church full of the Spirit of God and preaching the message of the cross. I know that for sure. So uh, help Help us pray for that work and a pastor for that work as well. And uh, we're going to pray before we start this morning. Uh, for those who've asked us to pray for them, uh, and you know who you are, and so we're going to pray for you right now. And whoever else may need something this morning, I pray that God would, even during this teaching session today, that the Spirit of God would fall on hearts that believe they would be saved, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they would even be healed in their bodies and minds. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be here in this place with your word open before us. We pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see today, hearts that are receptive to receive the bread of life today. Lord, we ask you to touch every situation, Lord, every circumstance that your people have found themselves in today. Those that have asked us to pray for them, we're praying for them. I'm not going to call out any names, God. They know who they are. And Lord, it's for all sorts of reasons and circumstances and situations that 
need your touch, your guidance, your help. And we're crying out for that today. And even while this teaching is going on, Lord, I pray that as ears hear, as hearts are receptive, that miracles would take place, God. Oh, that you would deliver and heal your people and bring them into a greater determination to know nothing other than your Son, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. The place all blessings are found. The place where the power of God resides. And we just ask your blessing upon this meeting today, this teaching session today, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. This is session nine of our teaching on righteousness. Today's May the 31st, 2019. Uh, I'm very familiar with this date. It is one we will remember, Robin and I, uh, that uh, we have a wedding rehearsal tonight and a wedding tomorrow night. My son, Mr. Noah Hutchinson, and his fiancée, Kaylin Lansford, will be getting married tomorrow night. We're excited about that and glad to be uh, seeing another one move on into the next phase of life. Robin is here with us, by the way, today. School is out. I I wore a shirt to represent her vacation she's on today, and uh, she's out for summer. Praise God. Now I can put her to work and uh, so or she says she's going to put me to work so why are we teaching on righteousness this is something the Lord laid on my heart uh, early this morning and I added these things before what I already had prepared and we need to be reminded of that as we did as we taught Ephesians as we taught Galatians all through those books we would that we taught those letters that we taught we would stop and say now why was this letter written why are we studying this letter why are we studying righteousness right now number one God told me to teach on righteousness and as I look at what he's given me today and I look back at other notes from the past I see that I've been teaching on righteousness since 2015 in, in, in some way form or fashion it just won't stop coming out and, uh, and, and, and here's why. I'm going to list some things to you, giving you scripture for them. And I pray you'd write them down, take notes, let God, the Holy Spirit, sink them deeper into your heart today. The reason we're teaching on righteousness and that it's so important is because we as Christians have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Ephesians 2.10. Now, we're not going to turn to all these scriptures, so write them down, make a note. Those of you who are students of the Word, you know these scriptures. We have we are God's workmanship. That means if the work is taking place, he's the one doing it. We have to be co-laborers with him, but the only way that happens is through our faith in that perfect righteous work at the cross. And when our faith remains in that perfect righteous work, then we're able to continue to abide in him, be co-laborers with him, and he can continue that perfect work he began in us through that perfect faith and grace of the Son of God that laid his life down for us. So I want to mention that first. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And, and I brought that up first because the good works were created unto and ordained by God to walk in always will carry with them and are the same thing as the fruit of righteousness. Yeah. 
cannot separate them. If we're walking in the good works God ordained for us to walk in, created us in Christ to experience, it is the fruits of His righteousness. Now watch this, number two. As Christians, we've been created in righteousness and true holiness. Now think about that. And we are going to look at this scripture, Ephesians 4 and 24. And the Bible says, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now think about that. First of all, the scriptures tell us what we've already gone over, Ephesians 2.10, that we're, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And here's the confirmation of what I just told you, that the good works are a result of Him being allowed to, through our faith in the sacrifice alone, to carry out His perfect work in us, and that always brings forth the fruits of His righteousness. Not just what you want to call the fruits of His righteousness, but it's the obedience to God's Word that allows the fruit of His righteousness to be seen, experienced, manifest to others. Now, we've been created in a place called Christ, the Son of God. You remember in the Garden of Eden when God put the first Adam to sleep and, and out from Adam He brought forth a bride. At the cross, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Lamb of God, on the cross where He laid His life down, He, he was pierced just as Adam had his side pierced and out, he, out came a bride. God created a bride from Adam. God also brought forth a bride for Christ out of Him being pierced at the cross for our sins. You've you got to understand that. When God put Moses in the cleft of the rock in the Old Covenant, the word cleft means the place of piercing. And he put him in the, the rock that was pierced. Christ is our rock of ages. He was pierced and bruised and wounded for our sins and iniquities. And, and what God gave his son through what, what he did for us at Calvary was a bride. That's powerful. That's very powerful. So we were created in Christ. It's the place we exist to move, live, and have our being in Christ where all the blessings reside, where all the promises are there in Him, yes and amen. But also we were created in something that He is to us and that is righteousness. He is our righteousness through His humble, obedient act of death that is the righteous work God sees and looks at and faith in that work alone allows the Holy Spirit to do these works we're ordained to walk in. They're all a result of the work of Christ at Calvary. But let me clarify something. Not just because of that, but our faith has to be in that today. You can't just place faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary and be saved and then just tiptoe through the tulips and whatever you want to do, call that the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness. That doesn't work and we know that from Galatians 1 and 6 that tells us if we move our faith from what He did at Calvary that we remove ourselves from Him. Galatians 5, 1 through 4 says if we fall from grace through that same way, trusting in anything other than Christ 
righteous work at Calvary, then he can no longer profit us, affect us, because we fall from grace. And grace is God himself carrying out his plan in and through our lives by the power of the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit. And somebody said, Amen. So, and in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, you can think you're all about the works of God, the business of the Father. You can think you're so powerful and you've got a name, you're alive. God's been ministering that to us here at Crossway Church. And, and him show up and have to tell you, yeah, you got a name and a reputation that you're alive, but you're dead. And you need to think about that. Why would the Lord Jesus Christ tell his church they're dead? Because they're denying the one who is life. They're no longer abiding, continuing in the one who is life. There's a problem with their faith. If Jesus tells his church they're dead, that means they're not living. And that proves that there's something wrong with their faith faith because we live by faith. And if it's not proper faith, which is in the cross of Christ, his death for us, then we're not living. We're dead again. So you need to know these things. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 2.10 but Ephesians 4 and 24 says we've been created in righteousness and true holiness. Now think about that. We've been created in the one who is our righteousness. We've been created in righteousness. That means we came about through the death of Jesus. We we are here as children of God through the death of Jesus. It took his death to get us in him. Because the time and the moment we were all as believers placed in him, not when I was 11 years old and was born again, although that was my experience here in this world as being born again, but in the mind and the plan of God, Jesus represented me 2,000 years ago as well as all those who will place their faith in him as the Son of God, the Lamb of God that would take their sins away at the cross. And that's when we were baptized into him immersed into him at the cross. Therefore, when God saw his son dying for you as a humble, obedient man and that perfect work of righteousness, he also saw you being crucified with him, dying with him, that, and would be buried with him and raised to newness of life with him. He saw all that Really, the Bible says in Ephesians 1-4, from before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him. So there's something very important about learning what it means to be in Christ, to function in Christ, to abide in Christ because you, child of God, can stop abiding in Him. The church in Galatia proved it. The church in Sardis proves it. And many other times in the Bible, it's still a choice for you today where your faith is located. If it remains today in the work of Christ through his death at Calvary, then God is at work in your life because grace is flowing into your life. But if it's not there alone, that's just you doing everything and calling it a move of God. So number three, 
Uh, Romans 6, 17, and 18 tells us that this is why we're teaching on righteousness because we've been created in Christ Jesus under good works. We've been created in righteousness and true holiness. And as Christians, we've been made servants of righteousness. Not only in Romans chapter 6 does God declare you... Uh, well, let me back up. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, the Bible says, Him that knew no sin became our sin offering that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Through our faith in the finished work, the death of Jesus, God declared us obedient and righteous, listen, in Christ. Only in Christ, not in your church, not in your... Not in Christ. And there's a difference between being in the church and being in Christ. Now I'm talking about the church building. If you're a believer in Christ and His work at Calvary alone for your salvation, you're in Christ. If, that, if you have to believe that you have to go do something also, then you've you got big problems because you still think it's by works. But listen, but Romans 6, 17, and 18 says that we've been made servants of righteousness. To be able to serve God, Romans 6 teaches this, to be able to serve God, you must serve righteousness. And to serve righteousness, you must have your faith in that which declared, which allowed God to declare you as righteous and to make you a servant of righteousness. And that's the way Christianity works. Every person, every child of God who's moved their faith, and I speak from experience, from the cross alone to anything other is law and God doesn't function in law. He functioned in law, under law, through faith in Christ at the cross to redeem us from the law. The Spirit of God doesn't lead people to law, to the doing for salvation, to the doing for sanctification, to the doing for power, for, to doing for provision. He points all to the cross for there He redeemed us from the curse of the law and placed us under grace, which means under God's authority in His kingdom now. And you need, to un you need to understand that. When we move our faith from the cross, we're no longer functioning in the anointing. No, the truth. It's no more grace because it's either grace, which is what God does, or it's law, which is what we do. So this is an important message on righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He built an ark. I've been thinking lately about you know, family situations and friends and co-workers and all these things. Noah had a, Noah had a family. His, his wife had a family. <coughs> his sons <coughs> married women who had families. And I'm sure Noah had brothers and sisters. Noah had parents. Noah had siblings, man. And all these families. And listen, Noah never stopped doing what God called him to do for the sake of family, friends, or anybody else. You cannot put them first. You cannot say you're not, but still be doing it. They must not be first. Jesus came along and taught, if you put anything before me, you cannot be my disciple. 
That means you can't function in what I teach you. You can't learn anymore because disciple means learner. Now we've all fallen prey to this, but that's not an excuse to keep being bound by you know, what's, what's not real. We need to face reality. And I want to say something this morning. Again, my last point here and why we're teaching on righteousness is because it's the only fruit that can lead unto holiness. And that's Romans chapter 6, verses 19. And uh, Romans 6, 19, let me just read it to you. Uh... Romans 6, 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have in the past yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield. And you know that word yield means present your members' servants, which means slaves, to righteousness unto holiness. How we do that is simple. We keep our faith in the cross of Christ. It's simply stated, let me say that. The fight is a good fight, but every person who's not in the fight of faith is already not functioning in grace. You must fight. The fight is not against sin. It was paid for. At Calvary. The fight is not against the devil. He was defeated at Calvary. The fight is not against flesh and blood. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, the only fight we're called to fight is a good fight because it's the fight of faith in Calvary. It's called a good fight because if you're fighting, you can't lose. There's no lose. Faith can't lose, Galatians 5, 6 says, because it works by love. And God is love and God can't fail. If your faith is true biblical faith, it's in the sacrifice of Christ. Not to move on from there and then function in the government of 12 or, or trust in your fasting or trust in your anything. All that stuff, God doesn't... He uses fasting for a certain purpose, but He can't set you free through fasting. He can't deliver you through fasting and if you think He can, you don't understand grace because righteousness doesn't come by law and law is what you do even if it's biblical things and you think, but here's what law does. God, I did this, you owe me now. There's been millions who had that mindset and then they drop out. You never see them anymore because now they're mad at God because they never understood grace. Grace is what God does in your life based on your faith and what He did in Christ at Calvary. When that changes what I just said, then it becomes you doing something and you're either going to turn into a bitter old religious person like Jesus had to deal with in His day or you're just going to fall to the wayside and be gone. So know these things. These are, these are the things why we're teaching righteousness because we are righteous in Christ. It's who we are. It's, it's what God has called us to serve. I want to show you something else this morning concerning this. Romans chapter 14, verses 17 and 18. Romans 14, 17 and 18. The Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Not about what you eat, not about what you drink, not about what you wear. 
Jesus told the woman at the well, it's not about some specific mountain you try to worship God on. It's not, listen, it's not about any of those things. Listen, he tells you, but the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That means in the way the Spirit leads. In Galatians 5.18, those that be led of the Spirit are not under the law. And I can't say that enough. The church age, that could never be said enough because most of the church has been bound under law all of church history. Most of those who were saved have been bound under law all of church history. We're living in a time right now where God is increasing the knowledge of His Son through faith in the cross like never before. He's revealing the knowledge of the cross is the answer not just to justify you but to sanctify you and bring you a mighty presence of God and all the provision of God you will need. Think about what Jesus taught in the book of Matthew. He said if you seek... God's kingdom and His righteousness first, everything you need, will you'll just turn around and it'll be following you. It'll be just added to your life if you seek Him, His kingdom, and His righteousness first above all things, then everything you need will just be added to your life. That's what Jesus taught. Is He your Lord? Is He your King? Is He your teacher? Do you follow what He taught? Those that do, he said, it's though as they build their house on a rock. And when the winds come, the storms come, they'll blow hard, but they won't blow you away. Most Christians are blown away by storms that come because they're really not following the teaching of Jesus. Are you seeking Him before all things? Are you, are you seeking His righteousness before all things? And righteousness is not just what is right. It's what God does that's right. Think about that. For the kingdom of God is not meat, it's not drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now verse 18, this is Romans 14, watch this. For he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Now, now that's in your Bible. In righteousness, if you serve it, and remember, this is, this is attached to what Paul taught in Romans 6, that we were declared righteous and we were made servants of righteousness. If we're not serving righteousness, and you can't be if your faith is not in the cross alone, then you're not walking in the good works you've been ordained to walk in because they are equivalent to the fruits of Christ's righteousness. You see, it. the Lord doesn't want you to be known. He doesn't want to make your name great. He doesn't want to make your church there, wherever you are, great. He wants the world to know His Son. He wants His Son's name to be magnified. He wants Jesus to be seen. Listen, and, until that, until, and the only way that can happen is if we're serving righteousness, bringing about the fruits of His righteousness. Amen, Brother Curtis. Preach on, Brother Curtis. It's, and we, we're, we're all caught up, and God bless our local church, and that's okay to pray, but you better ask yourself, what is it you're really asking for when you pray that? Do you just want, do you just want something nobody else has got so they'll puff you up and say, bless God, I told you we were right and they were all wrong? No, uh-uh. 
Faith in the cross is the only place a man can be humbled before God. Nobody's humble because they say yes ma'am and no ma'am, yes sir, no sir, pull the chair out for the ladies, open the door and, and oh they're so polite. That's what that is. That's being nice and polite. But it's not necessarily humility. Humility gets grace. But yet there is no grace outside of faith in the cross. So rightly dividing God's word we see that only those that come to faith in grace only those who come to faith in the cross in God's eyes are those who are humble and they get what He does in and through their lives. That's grace, what God is doing in and through their lives. So remember that, that he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God. Think about that. All three of those things mentioned there are the result of what Jesus did for us through our faith in what He there did. You were declared righteous, made a servant of righteousness. Peace, Colossians 1.20, He made our peace by the blood of His cross and joy for the joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross. Hallelujah. He Through the cross, these things are in us and we are in them serving Christ. Outside of this process, we, have, we might have a name. Oh, we might have a name that we're alive, but Christ tells us we're dead. Dead. Now, we need to remember that. Now, that, this is why we're teaching on righteousness. Now, let's look in the, in the letter to the Philippians. And, yeah, they're in the Philippian letter. The, the book of Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read about the first 10 verses in chapter 3. I want us to see something today and we'll spend probably our last remaining half hour on this text today. Uh, we, we, we're, we really need to be doing more than listening to teachers that teach that God's Word is truth in righteousness. We need to really be being receptive. We need the Word of God coming into our lives. To We need to have more than a testimony of my preacher is a great teacher, my preacher preaches great, oh, I'm in a cross-preaching church. No, we need to have the Word of God being engrafted into our hearts, hidden in our hearts that we won't sin against God, hidden in our hearts that it would be the, literally be the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. We need the Word of God. James said, those who just hear the Word and don't do it are deceivers of their own selves. And they can't be, if they're not doing the Word in James 1.22, but he changes the phrase in James 1.25 and calls it those who look into the perfect law of liberty, God's Word in its liberating context being Christ who is the Word manifest and what He did at Calvary, the only work that will liberate you. Listen, then those who continue to look there in the Word in that context shall not be a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. And 1 John 5, and we're not turning to these scriptures, hope you're writing them down, 1 John 5, 3 through, uh, three, let me see, do I have it here? Uh, 1 John, did I put that here? I don't think I did. But anyway, it's 1 John chapter 5. Uh, let me see, let me just turn there since I can. Uh, 1 John 5 and 3, is that right? Yes. No, that's not it. Anyway, let, 
Let's move on. Philippians chapter 3. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit here and it's taking me down a long trail. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. I rejoice in the Lord to be able to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And the word concision means those that would mutilate you, rip you apart. And that happens through faith in anything other than the cross. That's where the dogs are. He's not talking about the German shepherds and the, and the pit bulls out in the yard. He's talking about liars and thieves and those who steal false prophets, those who would try to get you to look away from Calvary where you will be mutilated by the devil, the world, and your flesh. Beware of dogs, beware of evildoers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. See, those who have confidence in the flesh, which means confidence in what they're doing other than faith in what Christ did, even those who say, yes, Christ and what he did, but we also, see, they just can't get away from that confidence they have to have in their flesh. And when I say they, I speak from experience because I've been there, and if I'm not careful, I can drift right off into that again. But there's nothing good in our flesh. He says, and have no confidence in the flesh. That's who we are. We have no confidence in what we would do outside of what Christ is doing in and through us. Verse 4, Philippians 3, Though I might have also confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I got more than any of you. Y'all think y'all can boast in the flesh. Paul said, if y'all think y'all got something to boast in, I, man, I rate way far above any of you. Yeah. Now watch what he says, verse 5. I'm, sir, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Are you writing this down, y'all? Yeah. You think you got something to boast in? Well, check me out. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, I was even a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I even persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. He says, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Watch, he's going to tell you why. Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of quite a few things. No, that's not what it says. He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. We got preachers today who will tune in and hear this. They'll tune in every once in a while. They don't want anybody to know. They're listening to preachers of righteousness, preachers of the cross, preachers of the truth, preachers of true righteousness, true holiness. And they don't want anybody to know it. And the, and the Lord is ministering to them. He's showing them it's right. But they're not willing to give up like Paul did the unity that's false, the friends that they built. They say, I've worked hard for what I have. 
I've built for years and you're not going to tell me that it's not of God. Paul had to come to that realization and those are the listen, nobody's coming back to truth, faith and grace that's biblical until God is able to show you what you're trusting in has never worked, will never work and he will never honor it. And when you come to that conclusion biblically and quit twisting scriptures to try to stay where you are, God is going to pour out on you like he did the Apostle Paul and the true ministers of the gospel in these last days. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you are one of those cross-eyed preachers, you just keep preaching it. It doesn't matter what it looks like out there to, to the community or to the world. Jesus told the church in Sardis, y'all got them all faked out. They all gave you a name that you're alive, but you are not alive. You are dead. It doesn't it doesn't matter what your family thinks, what your relatives and friends thinks, your co-workers. It doesn't matter what the rest of the church world thinks. Oh, they've got a church, man, that's alive. It only matters according to Scripture. And that's where we better be to find the way God sees us. Because He sees reality. Amen. And there's too much in the Word of God. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That means the way God sees grace to be found, Noah found it. Everybody else in that day, too bad, outside looking in, begging to get in the ark one day, but it's too late. And there's coming a destruction that'll make the flood look like it was nothing. There's coming a destruction that's going to be greater than any destruction man has ever seen, ever known in the days ahead. And billions will be drowned away. Drowned away and it'll be too late. Too late. Watch this now. He counts all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. In verse 8, Jesus his Lord for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and I do count them but dung that I may win. And the word win means gain Christ. Most Christians read that and say, well, I've already gained him. I was lost but I'm saved. No, Paul saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and he still wanting to gain more knowledge of Christ. Watch this. He says, and be found in him. Now let, let, us, let us be reminded this morning, the church in Sardis, Revelation 3, 1 through 6. The church in Galatia, Galatia 1 verse 6, Galatians 5, 1 through 4. They were not found in Christ. Now I'm not talking about your position in heaven. I'm talking about your experience here. If you can't separate the two, you're confused and really don't understand Scripture. You are in Christ at the right hand of, Father, at, of the Father right now in the mind and the plan of God just like you were in Adam when he sinned, just like you are in Christ through your faith in him when he died for you. You're also in the mind and the plan of God at this very moment at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, your position. But your condition is very important to the Lord. You're not saved by works, but your works are important because the work is a perfect work. He's looking for. Read, read Revelation 3, 1 through 6. Many are hearing me teach this and it's going in one ear and out the other. It needs to go in one ear, dip down in the heart. There it'll stay for a while. The Word needs to be in the heart, not just another man. That's what's wrong with listening to 40, 50 preachers in one week. 
40, 50 messages in one week. You're hearing so much ain't nothing staying in there. You're, it's just flowing through your head. You need to get still and get steady and cling to some pastor that you've been planted under and you need to be getting what God's given you in that place of planting. Now I'm not saying this morning don't listen to anybody else but I am saying those who just listen to 40 and 50 messages a week by different preachers preaching different stuff, they ain't getting nothing. That's the whole purpose of the local church, the place of planning, to, to be planted and being equipped there where you are with the word that's coming forth there where you are. For you. Not saying everybody, the other preachers can't speak into your life. They can if they are preachers of the truth, God's word as it is in righteousness. Meaning they open the book and point you to Calvary. Outside of that, there is no help. And there is no true ministry of God. That's right. Amen. So watch this. Paul says, I want to be found in Him. I want to be found in Him. That means I've had to cut everything loose that was law. I've had to cut everything loose that I boasted in myself. What I've worked for, all I've done. And from this day forward, I have no confidence in the flesh. He says, and it's because I want to be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is of the law. My own righteousness is what I do. The rules I make up and follow. Oh, I've done this. Oh, glory to God. I'm, I'm righteous now because of what I've done. No, that's you've done it, so it's self having done it, so it's a righteousness, it's of self. Self-righteousness. You're not found in Christ in your experience today if that's your attitude. You can't be found in Him. The Lord's looking for those who are living by faith, those who are abiding in Christ, continuing in Christ. Are you continuing in Christ? I didn't ask you were you in church every week. That's beside the point. I didn't ask you were in the Word every day. Are you abiding in Christ? The only way that can happen is through your faith in the cross. That's it. When, you, when, you, when your preacher starts bringing the government of 12 in, the purpose-driven, and now if we'll do these things, God will move mightily. No, God moved in your life the first time as an evident manifestation of the only way He's going to move in your life the rest of your life, and that's tr through the one true biblical faith. When you believe from your heart unto righteousness. That's what the Bible says, right? Romans 10 and 10. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness unto salvation. Think about that. That means with the heart, men believe unto Christ and His humble, obedient work of righteousness at the cross. See, it is His faith. It is His righteousness. It was His grace that He, that he tasted death by. And only through that one avenue daily do we experience the fruits of His righteousness. Now watch this. I want to be found in Him. I can't do that through my flesh. I can't do that by hanging on to everything I've trusted in in the past. To be found in Him, I've got to give up my own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. Now we need to say something about that and I believe ministers of the gospel are going to begin to preach this like never before that most translations have re, re, rewritten that like well that should have said through faith in Christ. But listen, 
All you did when you were as a lost, lost. The Holy Spirit was talking to you and me when we were lost. He was telling us, number one, you're lost. You're undone. You're without God and hope and anything He offers. You're on your way to hell. We, we, he talked to us through the gospel. And when we, listen, when we believed with our heart unto His righteous work, He saved us and He, and he gave us the measure of faith. Remember John 1 and 12, they that, believe, they that receive Him, they that believe on His name, He gave the power to become sons of God. What He give you as the power to become sons of God. He gave you the measure of faith to keep walking in this righteousness that you believed in first of all. So when the Bible here says that, through, that I, I, I want to be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ. His faith at the cross. By faith he tasted death by the grace of God. Let me say it a better way. By the grace of God what God was doing in Christ to reconcile sinners to himself. That's grace. What God is doing in you and through you, and God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself through Christ's faith. So it is not a wrong translation. It is through the faith of Christ. By faith. Yes, it is faith when we're believing. I'm placing my faith in that, which means I'm believing in Christ and what He did for me at Calvary, which also means that's what I'm trusting in. That's what I'm depending on. Faith in something is our dependence upon something. And if my faith is what I, in what I'm doing, I'm dependent on me. If my faith is in what God did in Christ at Calvary, I'm dependent on God through Christ and what He did at Calvary. That's why Jesus taught it's a daily thing. If you're going to follow Him, you're going to deny yourself of what? Whatever it is that's keeping you, hindering you from believing the truth about the cross. Taking up your cross, keeping your faith in His faith at Calvary, His death at Calvary, His work of righteousness. That's what we deny ourselves of. When Grandma comes along and says, yeah, I hear all your cross stuff, Curtis. I, I hear all the cross stuff, and Christ did have to die for you. Praise God, if He wouldn't have done that, nothing could have taken place. But also, you need to know that you need to... See, it sounds so good. And don't be deceived. There are many works, the Bible says again, Ephesians 2.10, we're called to walk in, ordained to walk in those good works. But they're only found in Christ Jesus. And when we were created in Christ Jesus, we were created in righteousness and true holiness. Now watch this. Paul says, I want to be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. 
Now that's so important. The church doesn't have a clue what that means. They think that's limited to the law of Moses and the Pharisees and Israel over in, uh, over in uh, uh, Jerusalem or over in Israel. He thinks that's limited. Listen, if my faith is in anything other than the work of Christ at Calvary, then I have my own righteousness. And God says all for him is as filthy rags. And that's confirmed in other places in the scripture, such as anything not that the first of all, the law is not of faith. That's scripture. The law is not of faith, and anything not of faith is sin. That proves my, if my faith, if I'm trusting, depending, believing for a move of God, any part of the salvation and provision of God, anything outside of the object of Christ and His death, then I'm really trusting in what I'm doing. That's law. It's grace, Christ, and what He did at Calvary. It's law. We can't hear this enough. We can't hear this too much. People that say, okay, I've got it. A lady told me one time several years ago, she said, I've been coming here for about two or three months. I got the message of the cross, Brother Curtis. I'm going back to my church. Mm. No, that ain't how it works, honey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're going back now and sitting under a preacher who's not preaching the message, and you're not getting anything. That's right. You went back because you have the relationships that you can't be delivered, you won't let God deliver you from, that you value more than the truth. That's reality. People are bound by relationships. Paul said, I don't care what I was, who I was, where I was, I count it all dung. I just want to be where I can grow in the excellency of the knowledge of Christ because I want to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Not what I do, but what I believe about Christ because it is the faith of Christ. Now some people could twist this and say the righteousness which is of God by faith. Yes, our faith is in God through this and through that. No, you need to go back to Exodus. You need 50 days, 50 days after God brought His people out of Egypt, they, Moses went up the mountain to get the law to hear from God and the people built a golden calf and said, Come tomorrow, let us have a feast unto the Lord. Let me tell you something, that golden calf today is the purpose-driven, the words you speak, anything you put your faith in outside of the blood that brought them out of Egypt and brought you out of your Egypt of bondage. Listen, anything outside of that, you're worshiping a golden calf, calling it God, and, and saying God's using it, and God's telling you today you're dead. Now that's in love. I'm not being mean. I'm not being ugly. I know most are not going to listen to it. But listen, none listen to Noah. None. And Jesus said, when I come back, it's going to be just like the days of Noah. People are going to be getting married, giving in marriage, eating and drinking. They're not going to give one iota of a care about righteousness. Not going to care about it. They're going to go about their religious duties, their religious obligations. Well, at least I go to church. Well, at least I, I do this. Well, at least I, 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 I. Law. Are you interested in righteousness? Then you've got to come back to Calvary to be a part of it. 
Watch this. He says in verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. If I don't need the cross anymore, the focus of the cross, which was His death, if I don't need to look at that, think about that, if I don't need to talk about that anymore, how am I going to be made conformable unto that? Here's what the church has missed. We missed it for years. Thank God during our lives that we are hearing the truth now. You must cling to Jesus through keeping faith in the sacrifice. You, you must do that. We don't move on past the cross. Let me say it this way. In the Old Testament, the object of faith was a coming Redeemer, but the manifestation that their faith was right, the sacrifice. It's what God showed them in the Garden of Eden at the beginning. The New Covenant... Our faith is in a Redeemer who's already come and paid the price, did the work, the righteous work to forgive our sins. Our faith, even in the new covenant, must remain in the sacrificial work of Christ. When Jesus comes back riding that white horse, He's going to have a vesture dipped in blood, saying it's still all about my blood. Those of you who've walked away from the blood, you've walked away from me. It's still about the blood. I'm wearing a vesture to remind you I'm the one who died. That's what from before the foundation of the world. I've got a vesture. It ain't painted rubies. It ain't painted in gold. It's painted in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And His name is called the Word of God. You cannot separate the two. You can't separate the two. So Paul's revealing here something very powerful. Let me say it a better way. The Holy Spirit, through those who have ears to hear what He's saying today, is revealing something to those who have ears to hear that you're not going to be found in Him through your own righteousness. <clears throat> Even as a child of God, God does not just keep working in your life. Read Galatians. Read Revelation chapter 3 and other portions of Revelation. He does not just keep working in your life. There's still a pull there. There's still a pointing there. There's still a draw there because you have the Spirit of God, but God can do nothing once you're out of the faith but warn you that you are and point you back to what is right. Thank God for Facebook. Thank God for social media. Some people are getting sick of hearing about the cross, but listen, that's God convicting you of the only way He'll be found working, saving, healing, delivering in your life. Through faith, the only way to be found in Him, found in Him. God, the, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking whom He may show His strength on their behalf. Who's He looking for? Those who He can find in Christ. Not at the right hand of where He is in Christ. Those who are abiding, continuing in Christ. Those who remain clinging to that bloody work at at Calvary. I'm not talking about a tree or a wooden beam. I'm talking about the actual carrying out of a humble, obedient act unto death by our Savior Jesus Christ. That's what God's looking at. 
As you've heard many times, if you haven't, you'll hear it this morning. God wasn't looking at Cain. He wasn't looking at Abel. He was looking to see if they would bring to the altar what he commanded them to bring. God's not looking for what you have built, what you've worked for. He's looking for that shed blood that he offered them, commanded them that they bring. See, that the Bible says in the Old Testament that he's commanded his covenant to a thousand generations. That what he gave Adam and Eve in the garden wasn't an option. It was a command. You will bring the blood to this place or you will be out of fellowship with me. You will be a wanderer. You'll go from one religion to the next. You'll go from one church group to the next church group. But when you bring the blood, when you place your hearts, allow your heart to believe in Christ and His work at Calvary, then you can abide in me. Then we can fellowship together. Then we can commune together. Then you can experience what it means to be in Christ, to abide in Christ. Thank God that I didn't live 80 years and make it to heaven and everything be burnt up except my entrance. And better than that, thank God that I didn't live my whole life thinking that I was working my way in and be warned as the church in Sardis of having their names blotted out of a book of eternal life and to write it off with some heresy which is a work of the flesh that says, oh, I can't lose my salvation. People in Noah's day, didn't, didn't one of them think they were going to be washed away by a flood? Not one. <clears throat> Billions today are dying, dying. Billions have died. Not one really believed they were going to be put away from God the way they are have been put away from God. It is a putting away that men cannot fathom in their minds to the point that men will even make up things. Well, if God is a God of love, He could never put people in a lake of fire. He could never do that. He could never do that. Listen, God didn't do it. Man did it to themselves. The New Testament says that men determine they are unworthy of eternal life. We determine that. God has determined that He would love all so much that he was, would offer his only begotten son. But it's through him and his faith, his righteousness, that we can present ourselves to God in the only way he will accept us. It's the only way we can serve God is in Christ, in righteousness, peace, and joy, and be acceptable unto God. We've heard it in the scriptures this morning. I want to be found today in Him because it doesn't matter what the church people sitting around me think about how holy I am. It matters how the Lord sees me. And He is looking. He is looking. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro. He's not asleep. He's not too busy with the folks around the world. He's looking at every single heart that's on the planet right now. He's looking at every single heart that's on the planet right now. He knows if we're alive or we're dead. Now when messages like this are taught, when they're preached, everybody that hears them thinks that they're just in that minute remnant who's right. Everybody. Well, I got news for you. The letter to the churches in Revelation, 
They were not all right. That's why the letters. The letter to the church in Galatia came because they were not all right. And it, no, it was not lost people sitting in the midst of saved people. It was to the church. Oh, we'll make up anything to get out of being real before God. Are you alive today? Are you serving righteousness through faith in the sacrifice of Christ? Are you sitting under a local pastor who's preaching the Word of God as truth in its righteous context? And yes, it has to be that way. I hate it that we've gotten to the point we are as a church all over the world, but we are there. But I want to tell you, most towns, communities, cities in our nation do not have what we call cross-preaching churches, preachers of righteousness. They do not have them. So therefore, people who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, they're having to stay home and listen to certain ministries online, such as SBN, such as this ministry, other churches that God has blessed areas, regions with. And I'm telling you, my friends, there's going to be a greater judgment for those in those regions who did not find themselves planted in that local church where the message was a message of righteousness, the truth. Greater judgment. God offered you something very special to Him, a place you could come together and learn to worship Him in spirit and in truth, a place you could come and be equipped with the truth for the work of the ministry. And yet we said, God knows my heart. He knows why I can't go. God loves me. He's merciful. He's gracious. That's called slothful. That's called deception. God's put every one of those cross-preaching gospel, spirit-filled gospel-preaching churches in your area if you have one so that you could be found planted in that place of equipping so that you could be learning this one way God honors so that you could be found in Him. Not having your own righteousness, but that which is of the faith of Christ, that which is of God by faith. That's why we teach and preach the righteousness message. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. Uh, be here next Friday morning as we'll continue our teaching on righteousness. But until next week, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Amen. God bless you.